body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. Tonight, we embark on part one of three in the classic tale of survival and friendship, The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, edited for this Drift story. Made possible by Envy Pillow. It's a Canadian-designed ergonomic pillow that cradles your face and aligns your spine and was created by Kathy and Kim, two registered nurses with your health and the planet in mind. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. Now, I should tell you that there are no singing or dancing animals in this. Although, you may picture young Mowgli however you wish. Oh, and should you fall asleep before the first part ends, don't worry. We'll recap it in part two, because you should fall asleep. That's what Drift is all about. Okay, what we'll do first is get you feeling as lazy and satisfied as a full, sleepy panther. Just take a moment to take one deep breath. And as you exhale, let the cares of your day dissolve in the sultry Indian jungle heat. Be still like the night and cherish the safety of where you lie, getting set to hear this wonderful story. Now, just stretch your limbs like a cat getting ready to sleep. Extend your fingers and your toes if you're able, your legs and arms, and then completely let them go. Relax. And now, with one more deep inhale and exhale, let's Drift. It was seven o'clock of a very warm evening in the Saoni Hills when Father Wolf woke up from his day's rest. Mother Wolf lay with her big gray nose dropped across her four tumbling, squealing cubs, and the moon shone into the mouth of the cave where they all lived. Arg, said Father Wolf. It is time to hunt again. Just then, a small shadow with a bushy tail crossed the threshold and whined. Good luck go with you, old chief of the wolves. It was the jackal, Tabaki, the dish licker. And the wolves of India despise Tabaki because he runs about making mischief and telling tales and eating from the village rubbish heaps. 
but they are afraid of him, too. Because Tabaki, more than anyone else in the jungle, is apt to go mad and runs through the forest, biting everything in his way. Even the tiger runs and hides when little Tabaki goes mad. Enter then and look, said Father Wolf stiffly. But there is no food here. Checking about and seeing nothing but bones, Tabaki said spitefully, Shere Khan, the big one, will hunt among these hills for the next moon, so he has told me. Shere Khan was the tiger who lived near the Wine River, 20 miles away. He has no right, Father Wolf began angrily. By the law of the jungle, he has no right to change his quarters without due warning. Now he has come here to make our villagers angry. They will scour the jungle for him when he is far away, and we and our children must run when the grass is set alight. Out, snapped Father Wolf. You've done harm enough for one night. You can hear Shere Khan below in the thickets, snarked Tabaki. I might have saved myself the message. Father Wolf listened, and below in the valley that ran down to a little river, he heard the snarly, sing-song whine of a tiger who has caught nothing. Must he eat man, said Father Wolf, and on our ground, too. The law of the jungle which never orders anything without a reason, forbids every beast to eat man, except when he is killing, to show his children how to kill. And then he must hunt outside the hunting grounds of his pack or tribe. Man-killing means, sooner or later, the arrival of men on elephants with guns and gongs and rockets and torches. Then everybody in the jungle suffers. Man is the weakest and most defenseless of all living things. And it is unsportsmanlike to touch him. They say, too, that man-eaters become mangy and lose their teeth. The purr grew louder and ended in the full-throated arg of the tiger's charge. Then, there was an untigerish howl from Shere Khan. What is it? asked Mother Wolf. The fool jumped at a woodcutter's campfire and has burned his feet, said Father Wolf with a grunt. Tabaki is with him. The bushes rustled. Something is coming uphill, said Mother Wolf, twitching one ear. Get ready. Directly in front of them stood a naked brown baby who could just walk. He looked up into Father Wolf's face and laughed. Is that a man's cub? said Mother Wolf. I have never seen one. Bring it here. 
Now a wolf can mouth an egg without breaking it. And though Father Wolf's jaws closed right on the child's back, not a tooth even scratched the skin as he laid it down among the cubs. How small, how naked, and how bold, said Mother Wolf softly. The baby was pushing his way between the cubs to get close to the warm hide. A high, he's taking his meal with the others. Now, was there ever a wolf that could boast of a man's cub among her children? I have heard now and then of such a thing, but never in our pack or in my time. Then the moonlight was blocked out of the mouth of the cave, for Shere Khan's great square head and shoulders were thrust into the entrance. You do us great honor, said Father Wolf. But his eyes were very angry. What does Shere Khan need? A man's cub went this way, said Shere Khan. Its parents have run off. Give it to me. Father Wolf knew that the mouth of the cave was too narrow for a tiger. He is ours to kill if we choose, said Father Wolf. What talk is this of choosing? It is I, Shere Khan, who speak. The tiger's roar filled the cave with thunder. Mother Wolf shook herself clear of the cubs and sprang forward, her eyes like two green moons in the darkness, facing the blazing, furious eyes of Shere Khan. And it is I, Ruksha, the demon, who answers, the man's cub is mine. He shall not be killed. He shall live to run and to hunt with the pack. And in the end, look out, you hunter of little naked cubs. He shall hunt you. Now get out, you burned beast of the jungle. Go. Father Wolf looked on, amazed. Shere Khan backed out of the cave, mouth growling. And when he was clear, he shouted, we will see what the pack will say to this fostering of man-cubs. The cub is mine, you bush-tailed thieves. Mother Wolf threw herself down, panting among the cubs. And Father Wolf said to her gravely, Shere Khan speaks this much truth. The cub must be shown to the pack. I will keep him. He came naked by night, alone and very hungry. Yet he was not afraid. Look, he has pushed one of my babes to one side already. And that lame butcher would have killed him and would have run off to the wine ganga while the villagers hunted through all our lairs in revenge. Oh, I will keep him. Lie still, little frog, you Mowgli. For Mowgli the frog, I will call you. But what will our pack say, said Father Wolf? The law of the jungle 
lays down very clearly that as soon as wolf cubs are old enough to stand on their feet, they must be brought to the pack council, held once a month at full moon, in order that the other wolves may identify them. After that inspection, the cubs are free to run where they please. Father Wolf waited till his cubs could run a bit, and then, on the night of the pack meeting, took them and Mowgli and Mother Wolf to the Council Rock, a hilltop covered with stones and boulders, where a hundred wolves could hide. Akela, the great gray lone wolf who led all the pack by strength and cunning, lay out at full length on his rock, and below him sat forty or more wolves of every size and color, from veterans to three-year-olds. The lone wolf had led them for a year now. He knew the manners and customs of men. There was very little talking at the rock. The cubs tumbled over each other in the center of the circle, where their mothers and fathers sat. And now and again, a senior wolf would go quietly up to a cub, look at him carefully, and return to his place on noiseless feet. Akela from his rock would cry, You know the law. Look well, O oh wolves. At last, Mother Wolf pushed Mowgli the Frog, as they called him, into the center, where he sat laughing and playing with some pebbles that glistened in the moonlight. A muffled roar came up from behind the rocks, the voice of Sheer Khan, crying, The cub is mine, give him to me. Akela never even twitched his ears. All he said was, look well, O oh wolves, look well. There was a chorus of deep growls, and a young wolf in his fourth year questioned old Akela. What have the free people to do with a man's cub? Now, the law of the jungle lays down that if there is any dispute as to the right of a cub to be accepted by the pack, he must be spoken for by at least two members of the pack who are not his father and mother. Among the free people, who speaks for this cub? asked Akela. There was no answer, and Mother Wolf got ready for a fight to the death. Then, the only other creature who is allowed at the pack council, Baloo, the sleepy brown bear, who teaches the wolf cubs the law of the jungle, old Baloo, who can come and go where he pleases because he eats just nuts and roots and honey, rose up upon his hind quarters and grunted. I speak for the man's cub. Let him run with the pack and be entered with the others. I myself will teach him. We need yet another, said Akela. Who speaks besides Baloo? A shadow dropped down into the circle. 
It was Bagheera, the Black Panther. Inky dark all over, but with the panther markings showing up in certain lights, like the pattern of watered silk. Everybody knew Bagheera, and nobody cared to cross his path, for he was as cunning as Tabaki, as bold as the wild buffalo, and as reckless as the wounded elephant. But he had a voice as soft as wild honey dripping from a tree, and a skin softer than down. Oh, Akela, and you, the free people, he purred, I have no right in your assembly. But the law of the jungle says that the life of a cub may be bought at a price. Am I right? Speak then, cried twenty voices. This naked cub may make better sport for you when he is grown. Baloo has spoken on his behalf. Now to Baloo's word, I will add one bull and a fat one, newly killed, not half a mile from here. If you will accept the man's cub, according to the law. There was a clamor of voices saying, what's the difference? What harm can a naked frog do us? Let him run with the pack. Where is the bull, Bagheera? Let him be accepted. All of the wolves went down the hill for the dead bull, and only Akela, Bagheera, Baloo, and Mowgli's own wolves were left. Shere Khan roared still in the night, for he was very angry that Mowgli had not been handed over to him. And that is how Mowgli was entered into the Sayoni wolf pack for the price of a bull and on Baloo's good word. Mowgli grew up with the cubs, though they, of course, were grown wolves almost before he was a child. And Father Wolf taught him his business and the meaning of things in the jungle, till every rustle, every branch, every note, every scratch and splash meant just as much to him as the work of his office means to a businessman. When he was not learning, he sat out in the sun and slept and ate, and went to sleep again. When he felt dirty or hot, he swam in the forest pools. And when he wanted honey, he climbed up for it. And that, Dagira showed him how to do. At age eleven or so, at the Council Rock, when the pack met, he discovered that if he stared hard at any wolf, the wolf would be forced to drop his eyes. And so, he used to stare for fun. Other times, he would pick the long thorns out of the pads of his friends, for wolves suffered terribly from thorns and burrs in their coats. At night, he would go down the hillside and look very curiously at the villagers in their huts. But he had a healthy mistrust of men. 
As soon as he was old enough to understand things, Bagheera told him, All the jungle is yours. But for the sake of the bull that brought ye, thou must never kill or eat any cattle, young or old. That is the law of the jungle. Mowgli obeyed faithfully, and he grew. One very warm day when they were deep in the jungle, as the boy lay with his head on Bagheera's beautiful black skin, the panther said, Little brother, I have told you that Shere Khan is your enemy. He dares not kill you in the jungle. But remember, Shere Khan has taught the young wolves that a man cub has no place with the pack. Soon you will be a man. Should a man not run with his brothers? said Mowgli. They are my brothers. Bagheera stretched himself at full length and half shut his eyes. Little brother, I was born among men, and it was among men that my mother died in the cages of the king's palace. This is why I paid the price for you at the council. Yes, I too was born among men. I had never seen the jungle, till one night I felt that I was no man's plaything, and I broke the silly lock with one blow of my paw and came away. And because I had learned the ways of men, I became more terrible in the jungle than Shere Khan. Is it not so? Yes, said Mowgli. All the jungle fear Bagheera, all except Mowgli. The Black Panther said very tenderly, Even as I returned to my jungle, so you must go back to men at last, if you are not killed by counsel. But why should any wish to kill me? The others hate you because their eyes cannot meet yours, because you are wise, because you are a man. I did not know these things, said Mowgli sullenly. When Akela misses his next kill, and at each hunt, it costs him more to pin the buck, the pack will turn against him and against you. Ah. I have it, said Bagheera, leaping up. Go down quickly to the men's huts in the valley and take some of the red flower which they grow there, so that when the time comes, you may have even a stronger friend than I or Baloo or those of the pack that love you. Get the red flower. By red flower, Bagheera meant fire. Only no creature in the jungle will call fire by its proper name. Every beast lives in deadly fear of it and invents a hundred ways of describing it. The red flower that grows outside their huts in the twilight, said Mowgli. I will get some, and by the bull that bought me, I will pay Shere Khan back for this, and then some. 
and he bounded away. He plunged downward through the bushes to the stream at the bottom of the valley. There he checked, for he heard the yell of the pack hunting, heard the bellow of a hunted sambor and the snort as the buck turned at bay. Then there were wicked, bitter howls from the young wolves. Akela, Akela, let the lone wolf show his strength. Spring, Akela. The lone wolf must have sprung and missed his hold, for Mowgli heard the snap of his teeth and then a yelp as the large deer knocked him over with his forefoot. The yells grew fainter behind him as he ran into the croplands where the villagers lived. Bakera spoke the truth, he panted, as he pressed his face close to the window of a hut and watched the fire on the hearth. When the morning came and the mists were all white and cold, he saw the man's child pick up a wicker pot plastered inside with earth, fill it with lumps of red-hot charcoal, and go out to tend the cows. <laughs> Is that all? said Mowgli. If a cub can do it, there's nothing to fear. So he strode round the corner and met the boy, took the pot from his hand, and disappeared into the mist, while the boy howled with fear. They are very like me, said Mowgli, blowing into the pot, as he had seen the boy do. This thing will die if I do not give it things to eat. And he dropped twigs and dried bark on the red stuff. Halfway up the hill, he met Bagheera with the morning dew shining like moonstones on his ebony coat. Akela has missed, said the panther. They would have killed him last night, but they needed you also. They were looking for you on the hill. I'm ready, see? Mowgli held up the fire pot. All that day, Mowgli sat in the cave tending his fire pot. In the evening, Tabaki came to the cave and told him, rudely enough, that he was wanted at the Council Rock. Akela the Lone Wolf lay by the side of his rock, while Shere Khan, with his following of lowly, scrap-fed wolves, walked to and fro, openly being flattered. Bagheera lay close to Mowgli, and the fire pot was between Mowgli's knees. When they were all gathered together, Shere Khan began to speak, a thing he would never have dared to do when Akela was in his prime. He has no right, whispered Bagheera. Say so, he is a dog's son. He will be frightened. Mowgli sprang to his feet. Free people, he cried. What has a tiger to do with our leadership of the pack? It is with the pack alone. At last, the seniors of the pack thundered. Let the dead wolf speak. When a leader of the pack has missed his kill, he is called the dead wolf as long as he lives, which is not long. Akela raised his old head wearily. 
free people, and ye too, jackals of Shere Khan. For twelve seasons I have led you. Now I have missed my kill, as you brought me up to an untried buck to make my weakness known. <laughs> it was cleverly done. Your right is to kill me here, on the Council Rock, now. Therefore I ask, who comes to make an end of the lone wolf? Then Shere Khan roared, Bah, this toothless fool is doomed to die. It is the man-cub who has lived too long. Free people, he was my meat from the first. I hate him. Give him to me, or I will hunt here always and not give you one bone. Akela lifted his head again and said, He has broken no word of the law of the jungle. He is our brother in all but blood, and you would kill him here. In truth, I have lived too long. I know some of you to be cowards, and it is to you I speak. My life is of no worth, or I would offer that in the man-cub's place. But for the sake of the honor of the pack, I promise that if you let the man-cub go to his own place, I will die without fighting and save the pack three lives. I can save you the shame that comes of killing a brother spoken for and bought into the pack according to the law of the jungle. The pack snarled, and most of the wolves began to gather round Shere Khan, whose tail was beginning to switch. Now the business is in your hands, said Bagheera to Mowgli. We can do no more except fight. Mowgli stood upright, the firepot in his hands. He was furious with rage and sorrow. You have told me so often tonight that I am a man, and indeed I would have been a wolf with you to my life's end, that I feel your words are true. You're not my brothers, but dogs. And so I, the man, have brought here a little of the red flower which you, dogs, fear. He flung the fire pot on the ground, and some of the red coals lit a tuft of dried moss that flared up as all the council drew back in terror before the leaping flames. Mowgli thrust his dead branch into the fire till the twigs lit and crackled and whirled it above his head among the cowering wolves. You are the master, said Bagheera in an undertone. Save Akela from the death. He was always your friend. Good said Mowgli, staring round slowly. I see that you are dogs. The jungle is shut to me, but I will be more merciful than you are, because I was all but your brother in blood. I promise that when I am a man among men, I will not betray you to men as you have betrayed me. He kicked the fire with his foot and the sparks flew up. There shall be no war between any of us in the pack, but here is a debt to pay before I go. 
He strode forward to where Shere Khan sat blinking stupidly at the flames and caught him by the tuft on his chin. Up, dog, Mowgli cried. Up when a man speaks, or I will set that coat ablaze. Shere Khan's ears lay flat back on his head, and he shut his eyes, for the blazing branch was very near. He hit Shere Khan over the head with the branch, and the tiger whimpered and whined in an agony of fear. Run along, singed jungle cat, but remember, when next I come to the council rock, it will be with Shere Khan's hide on my head. For the rest, Akela goes free to live as he pleases. You will not kill him, because that is not my will. Now, go. Mowgli waved the fiery branch round the circle, and the wolves ran howling with the sparks burning their fur. At last, there were only Akela, Bagheera, and perhaps ten wolves that had taken Mowgli's side. Then something began to hurt Mowgli inside him, as he had never been hurt in his life before. And he caught his breath and sobbed, and the tears ran down his face. What is it? He said, I do not wish to leave the jungle, and I do not know what this is. Am I dying, Bagheera? No, little brother. That is only tears, such as men use. Now I know you are a man, and a cub no longer. The jungle is shut indeed to you henceforward. Let them fall, Mowgli. They are only tears. So Mowgli sat and cried as though his heart would break, and he had never cried in all his life before. Now I must say farewell to my mother. And he went to the cave where she lived with Father Wolf, and he cried on her coat while the four cubs howled miserably. You will not forget me, said Mowgli. Never while we can follow a trail, said the cubs. Come to the foot of the hill when you are a man, and we will talk to you and come into the croplands to play with you by night. Come soon, said Father Wolf, for we be old, your mother and I. And listen, little child of man, said Mother Wolf. I loved you more than ever I loved my cubs. I will surely come, said Mowgli, and when I come, it will be to lay out Shere Khan's hide upon the council rock. Tell them in the jungle never to forget me. The dawn was beginning to break when Mowgli went down the hillside alone to meet those mysterious things that are called men. And so ends part one of our three-part story, The Jungle Book. We'll be back soon with part two. Now, drift off and sweet dreams. <laughs>